Hi everyone, my name is Chiamaka. I'm a lawyer and I'm a health policy professional and you're listening to Public Health Insight Podcast. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health. From the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so other people like you can benefit from our content. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not necessarily represent any of the agencies or organizations we work for or are affiliated with. It's time for Insight Blitz. Amaka's favorite portion of our podcast. We're basically going to ask you a bunch of rapid fire questions and you can do your best to provide brief responses and let's go. Your favorite thing to do in your spare time? Do nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that. Sometimes doing nothing is the best. I love that. What is your favorite food? Afang soup. And pandedium is a Nigerian dish. Ooh, yeah. Yum. The worst piece of advice or best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Um, that would be write your plans with a pencil. Sometimes when you fall under the category of people who have an insight into where they want to be, let's say in the next 20, 25 years, whatever, five years as the case may be, you might have a tendency to map out the way you want your life to play out. But it's very important that you use a pencil because a pencil can be erased in a manner that you do not limit yourself or constrain yourself when opportunities meet you because it's not exactly how you thought it was going to come. It's not in the package. You envisaged it. So by writing your plans with a pencil, you're giving room for life to happen and be able to navigate as life shows you whatever things it does so that's that's one of the best advice i've gotten actually wow and that's beautiful i i really like that i think that's the best piece of advice i've ever gotten too this is why we're here <laughs> yeah that's awesome so something that keeps you inspired professionally hmm. i'll just i'll make this broad is the people that that have gone ahead of me Right When I see people who have gone ahead of me, despite the limitations, their environment, their background, and they're able to make something out of their life, and more importantly, who they are doing it for, that kind of keeps me going, keeps me pushing. If they can do it, I can do it also. Your favorite way to stay up to date with global health news? Okay, that's a good one. So I have... Um, a platform on LinkedIn called the Global Health Law and Policy Dialogue Room. And that room is it's a platform that where we kind of dissect global health topics from a legal, policy, and public health perspective. It used to be weekly, but with time it might probably move to bi-weekly. So because I host that conversation, I'm forced to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. So I have to always know what's going on. But I think on that good way, I find out what's going on. For some reason, it's Twitter. It just pops up on my feed, maybe because of the people I'm following. So I usually know what's going on, what events, what hot topics, um, what new policy documents has come out and all of that. So it's just, it's just Twitter is an interesting space to be, provided you're following people who are equally in the global health space too. Yeah. And I know we've had conversations 
so far about, you know, what is global health and what is mm-hmm. global health expertise. And there's a lot of nuances with it. Yeah. But in your opinion, what is the most important trait of a global health professional? Hmm. That's a very good question. I would say passion for human life, right? Mm. You just have to be passionate about people being able to optimize their life, not just living, living in a way that is optimal, that allows them to fulfill their potentials, right? Because a nation, a people as healthy uh, uh, would only be as economically buoyant or advanced as the health of their people. So I think it's that passion to see people live optimally, be healthy enough to achieve their dreams. That's a very key thing, quality I would like to see in a health professional, actually. So that brings us to the end of the Insight Blitz segment. In the paper that we're talking about, who is Uh a global health expert, you go on to talk about advice for aspiring global health experts. And it would be very interesting to kind of go through some of them and just talk about it in a bit more detail, because I think... As a global health professional, Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to reflect on a bunch of these different things to understand your motivations and understand why you're doing this in the first place. And it really sets the tone on why am I going into global health? What is the purpose of this and your own kind of mission, vision and goals for how you see yourself in this space? So what I found really interesting is that one of the first pieces of advice that you give individuals is to really deeply reflect on your motivation for aspiring to be a global health expert. So why do you think this is a key consideration, Amaka? Yeah, sure. I'll start first by acknowledging that the fact that this is written wouldn't change, wouldn't really change how people go about this. Mm-hmm. But this question is, my hope is that it strikes a, a chord because people would still go about this for a higher salary because they want power. Um, Mm -hmm. because they want to access funding, because they want whatever. But as I mentioned earlier, you can recall in the beginning of this podcast, I painted a scenario for you that when people sit down to sign a paper, whether it's a a grant, whether it's some sort of policy, whether it's some sort of program, whatever it is, for you, you're just signing a paper, but it could mean the difference between whether somebody lives or whether someone dies. So when you understand the gravity, the weight that comes with global health expertise, it should scare you, actually. It's not something you should go into, you should delve into with laxity or without thinking about deeply. What you're doing, not just your action, not just signing a document, in action, not acting, could also impact people. So that's why this paper is saying, please take a deep breath, reflect, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Because the reason why you're doing this would impact how you go about things. If you're thinking about it from a monetary perspective, there's a high chance you're not going to invest in programs or policies which might impact people because you just feel it's not economically viable or buoyant Mm -hmm. or you just think it's a waste of Mm -hmm. money. You get my point. If it's for personal recognition, there's a high chance that you might miss out on the things that really matter because you're only thinking about programs and interventions that will take you to world stage 
Meanwhile, maybe what is really needed might be something that might not take you to that point. It might be something that would outlive your office. That's also a dilemma people face, you know, mm-hmm. because as I mentioned, global health is and health systems is interconnected. You could start a project and you would not see the dividends. You would not see the value until 20 years time, right? So if you're just there because you want an award today and you need it to be done within five years, there's a high chance you will not invest in a program that would probably reap dividends in 20 years and have a more lasting impact. So I can go on and on, but the point is what you're doing, it's very... (laughs) could make a huge difference. It could turn things around and it could also lead to people's deaths and it could also make people's life worse. So it's very important that you're not doing this just to travel. You're not doing this because you feel you're superior to other Mm -hmm. people. Because let me make it clear, nobody is superior to another. We're all human beings. We all have blood flowing through our veins. We all have access to different resources, but that doesn't make any person better than another. So if you're doing this as a means to show that you're a savior or you can help people. Sometimes the people you think you're helping are the ones that should be helping you at the end of the day. You'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. So just having that balance and understanding is is something people need to think about critically. Now that's great. I think it's, you know, sometimes people don't even think about whether they want to go into global health and why they're doing it until these questions are asked of them, you know? And so I think this is really mm-hmm. great for, I know for me, for LaShawn as global health professionals, but even for our listeners, whether it's for public health, global health, or even any other field that you're considering, really think about why is it and how that can impact your work going forward. That was really great, Amaka. Thank you so much. How can Mm -hmm. health experts, how can they go about balancing their academic training with hands-on work experience in you know, culturally Mm. diverse settings to really make sure they understand and appreciate the cultural context of the work they may want to be doing. I know, for example, for me, I didn't get the opportunity to go abroad or go into any community. Our master's was interrupted by COVID. So the experience I would have gotten, I didn't get. And then I got into the work field and, you know, it's just never come up. Where can they look for those experiences? Yeah, sure. That That's a good question. But as you were saying that something just is <laughs> almost like I thought about something. So this is also something we need to question, mm-hmm. right? The fact that usually you would find when people are done with their MPH or mm-hmm. whatever master's program or their bachelor's, they think that to become a global health expert, they need to travel to Africa mm-hmm. or some other country yeah. and stay there for two weeks or three weeks before they can become global health mm-hmm. expert. Then, okay, so let me ask this question. Then how come when people from um, Africa and other countries, low- and middle-income countries, move across nations and, and oceans to other countries and they work for years, they are not immediately seen as experts? Yeah. That's a question people should ask That's themselves. That's a very good point. That's a mm. very good question for people mm. to ask themselves. So in this instance, when we say culturally diverse settings given that's how people are already thinking oh after my master's i should go to tanzania and Mm -hmm. work for two weeks and then i'm a global health expert if that's what you think you're doing make sure that you're not going there with the oh i have i have a solution and i'm going to go and solve their problems without actually understanding what the context is what their culture is who these people are what matters to them because what we find is because people from certain countries have access to more resources they would have already framed a program and intervention 
and they're trying to shove it down people's throats. And eventually they spend whatever millions of dollars or less and then they report back all oh, those people they're pathetic it can never work nobody can ever help them but that's not mm-hmm. true it's a case of you already pre-designed <laughs> a solution to a non-existent uh, problem and they just simply went along with you and then you wasted your time and wasted theirs mm-hmm. so the point we're making here is that hands-on work experience you're getting you need to get to the point where you actually understand what the challenge is from the lens of the people you're working for mm. know what makes them know what's important to them understand the extenuating factors and circumstances that eventually brought them to that point and co-design with them <laughs> let it not be i'm coming up with a solution to your problem but work together with them to provide solutions to their problem you know why that's important it's important because your time there is limited, it's temporal. Mm. If mm. you come with the approach of, I'm doing it for them, when you leave, you leave with your solution. But mm. if you come with the approach of, I'm working with them, then when you leave, you sustain your intervention because they take ownership of whatever that initiative is. It is theirs with your support. Mm. In that way, you're building the required competence, you're executing, but more importantly, you're empowering them to sustain what you've started beyond your grant period so that, that's the reason why we have fragments and pots of projects going up you know going off and on and not really seeing the real dividends of it because that that part of co-designing and empowering people to sustain initiatives and projects beyond the grant period is kind of missing i hope that's helpful in answering your question yeah and also related to that, talking about these different opportunities and meaningful contributions. As a young professional, mm-hmm. why is it actually important to have that sense of cultivating, of being a lifelong learner and staying mm. open to new ideas and perspectives? Yeah. How, as a young professional, can we actively cultivate that mindset? And especially in a landscape such as global health, that's always changing. How do we cultivate that mindset of continuous learning and lifelong learning? Well, I think that should be, I think that should be a default. If, if it's, it's a way to think about it, given that global health is a constantly evolving field, right? Some, mm-hmm. some years ago, if someone mentioned stuff like digital health, telehealth, artificial intelligence, people would probably roll their eyes, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but, but that's that's what everybody's talking about. But some years back, that wasn't it. It was I think it was referred to as M Health. It was more like mobile mm-hmm. health, where people would use yeah. telephones to design interventions. Well, that was like ten years ago. Now we're in a different phase. So if you don't have that openness to learning and picking up things as it comes, and be adaptable, you would probably miss out. So that is something that is a trait that people should consciously cultivate and maintain given the field they are in because global health is constantly evolving. Diseases are constantly evolving. If someone told, I don't know, people last five years, I guess what, you would be in your house for probably two years as a result of a pandemic, they'll tell you, stop joking that's not going to happen is that is this is this a movie or something but it happened so that ability to pick up be adaptable learn uh 
you know, see people's different viewpoints. And I think I, I, I want to emphasize different viewpoints a bit because different countries, different dynamics, different cultures, different ways they see life. Mm. So the way you would tackle malaria in country X might not be the way you should tackle it in country Y. But if you make that mistake of saying, and you know I've used Africa a couple of times, a continent, people think it's a country. So if you say, oh, I'm going to use a one, I'm going to use a uniform approach to tackle malaria across Africa, yeah. <laughs> you're in for a shock. Because just Nigeria alone is so culturally diverse that the way you approach malaria in the southern part of Nigeria would be different from the way you would approach malaria in another part mm-hmm. of Nigeria. And I think I'll use this example because it was something... Um, one of my previous professors said that was really funny. So he was talking about family planning. So basically, there was a campaign, and the campaign theme was zip it, zip up, or something like that, zip up, right? And they were doing that campaign in the northern part of Nigeria for family planning. And they were wondering why they didn't see any, you know, significant success or change. Okay, what if I told you that in the northern part of Nigeria, their trousers do not have zips? It uses ropes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something as small as that, you know? Yeah. Something as small as that. So if you went there thinking, oh, I know it all, it should be a zip, mm-hmm. based on maybe yeah. where you're coming from and people's trousers have zips, you spend $1 billion on a campaign yeah. that has no effect. When if you had just taken a mm-hmm. step back to study where you are, be open to the people, see how they view the conversation or the topic, you would have just realized that their trousers actually have ropes. <laughs> yeah not zip so that's just a good example (laughs) to show why it's really important to be a learner open to ideas see people's um, viewpoints on a topic that really really helps it helps it will help to curb unnecessary wastage um unnecessary um you know resources being pumped into things that could have been done differently I hope that that answers your question yeah absolutely and i also Mm -hmm. i also think just emphasizing the lifelong learning you know it's not um you may, for example, go to a certain community one year and be like, okay, now I understand it. And then go back five years <laughs> later, you can't come back with that same knowledge because the world is always exactly. moving. And so even if you're an expert mm-hmm. and maybe, you know, you have, you're conversing with a certain community, certain culture constantly, even within my own, like as an Indian, I still constantly learn about what is the Indian community like. There's constantly changes in for like back home. Mm-hmm. I can't go in with the assumption that five years ago my parents said that it was like this when they grew up. It's not the same anymore. You know, it's different than it was the last time I visited India. It's going to be different now. And you have to constantly be open to learning. It's never going to be the same every mm-hmm. time. Yeah, that, that's a really good point you made there. If the indigenes and nationals of countries have to learn constantly, talk more of people who come from other places. You just have to be open mm-hmm. to, to always learning and finding out what's new to avoid making huge mistakes. You know, looking at role models and mentorship. So coming from a global health program, a lot of the times we're thinking as students, it's it's optimal to get an individual who's an older individual, a high research position, won a lot of awards, has a lot of research grants, has a lot of publications, a director, and seeking mentorship and role models from those individuals. But why why might this be an outdated way of thinking? Why do you think it's important that to rethink that and 
instead focus on those who possess qualities and approaches that resonate with our own aspirations in global health. Well, that, uh, well having a, that broad approach is limiting in the sense that, for instance, if I'm trying to be mentored by, let's say, the director of an intergovernmental organization, there's a high chance, there's, I mean, there's a low chance that I'm going to have access to them. As well as professors and really top people who are busy, you know, most of the times, it's possible that I could have access to them, but there's a slim chance. And then secondly, how much are we aligned? It's possible that this person might be your hero from afar, but when you come closer, that person might have different values and different mm. approaches and yeah. different ways they see life. So in picking a mentor, it's, it's very important that as much as you're being open, you're not being too picky because people don't actually have time. And I feel mentorship is a gift, is a gift that is given to you. You should also be intentional about your time as well as the mentor's time. Because if you, if it's a wrong match, you end up wasting your time as well as the mentor's match. But more importantly, it doesn't really have to be a traditional mentorship approach where you guys kind of sit down and have conversations. Although that's ideal, that's, mm -hmm. that's ideal, where the person kind of helps you and keeps you accountable. But given how busy things are and how many global health professionals yeah. we, that keep on spawning each day, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. It's like we have a huge number. You also need to also take other approaches. If, you ha if you're able to get that traditional approach where you get one-on-one, -on -one, good, great, and fine. But also, you should also see mentorship um, from, should also consider mentorship from afar. That's what I would call it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... What do I mean by this? If there's someone you really admire and you aspire to become, I think social media has made things really easy. Just follow them. You understand? Just read what they post, read their articles, see what they're doing, check their career journey. How did they go about it? You would see, you know, the, the bends and the turns and just continue observing. See the things, the way they communicate, the kind of people they're speaking to and the way they approach things and learn from it. That's, that's mentorship from afar. You don't need to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation sometimes to learn. The second thing I would say is, I know that this is very emphasized in high-income countries, is the power of networking, <laughs> right? So those conversations you have could also be mentorship. You just never know. If I tell you that part of what inspired me to write this piece, the first one, how not to become a global health expert, was when I was actively networking and just trying to find out what's this space all about? How do you get to the next step? And I was listening intently to what people were saying, people that have already gone ahead of me. And then I sat back to reflect and I just thought to myself, wow, this is really interesting. Do you know there's actually no clear definition on who a global health expert is because all their journeys were different. They were global health experts in the true sense of it, but all their journeys were different. So do not undervalue those conversations. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes people give to talk to you. Listen intently. Try to draw out the gems and not just draw it. Try to apply it to yourself. The truth is, by having those conversations, you'll be surprised that if you apply one or two, and then you have that opportunity to say, okay, since the last time we spoke, this is what I've done. That person might actually be driven to say, you know what? I think I like your spirit and I would like to mentor you. And these are top people who are quite busy because people don't, people don't have time. They're really, really busy traveling from one conference to another, 
um, you know, so much work to, to be done. So you have to take the initiative. You have to be the driver. They're not going to, they're not going to be chasing you. You have to chase them. And that's just how it works. But then, as I said, if you do not have that opportunity to have that one-on-one, don't feel left out. You can do mentorship from afar. Mm. Observe the qualities and traits, the things that make them different. Take note of it. Apply it. The ones that you're looking at, and I think it's important to note that your mentor must not even be older than you. It can be someone younger. So don't don't undervalue or look down on someone who is doing really good just because you're older than mm. them. Just having that courage to ask questions and have that conversation could make the difference between your next step and where you are now. So just be very open, be very flexible on how mentorship comes about. But the most important thing is make sure you're not wasting your time and the person's time and make sure that you're applying those gems that they're sharing in your life, testing it out, asking questions and taking next steps. So that's what I will say about that. That's great. No, I think those are really great points it's always I know I've always had that question of finding a mentor I really like the point you made about being mentored from afar because a lot of these individuals are busy they don't have the time to connect on one-on-one and it's understood you can feel a little rejected but (laughs) there's still so much you can learn from far away and I really appreciate that and I'm sure everyone else will too speaking about mentorship maybe you can impart some lovely lessons to our listeners and to us as we're kind of wrapping up here what is the most surprising (laughs) lesson that you've learned in your career so far and maybe even a take-home message for that for the audience that that's a very good one and i think i've mentioned it a bit when i spoke previously what, what i would say i would advise any person and i think it's important to say that my i'm still in my journey right i still experience mm-hmm. curves and i still experience bends but what i would say is while you have a plan you know where you're going or you have a sense of where you're going be very open on the package the best things do not usually come in the shiniest packages it might be in an absurd, you know, relatively low in quotes package. But if you're so fixated on your goal and so fixated on the format, you can lose opportunities that are staring you in mm-hmm. the face. So in that instance, what I'm saying is you have a plan, you know you want to do this, that's really good. You have a focus, that's good. But please be flexible, be open in the manner in which it comes to you. You would still reach your goal, but it might not be the way you're thinking about it. That's just the point I'm trying to make. As I said, global health is quite quite interesting. It continually evolves, and you have to move with it. So have your plan, have your goal. That's fine. That's perfect. But please be flexible, be open regarding the package in which it comes to you. So that's, that's something I would say. And then the second thing I would say is allow time to do its work. Allow time to do its work. There's some certain things you cannot do by planning, networking, ticking all the boxes. Sometimes life happens. Life does the trick for you. There's so many things, as I said, that we've been agitating for and we've been pushing for. And now it has happened of course, it's accumulation of the efforts, but sometimes time, time heals, time does the trick. So give room for time as you plan. Give room for time to do its trick as you put those 
little elements in place. That's, that's what I'll also say. So your dreams are valid. Whatever you want to achieve, you can achieve it, but be very flexible regarding how you get to where you need to get to. Keep your eye on the goal, but please be flexible regarding the package in which it comes. Oh, I love that. Thank wow. you so much. Thank you so much, Amaka. That, that was wonderful, and you're the host of the Global Health Law and Policy Dialogue platform on LinkedIn. Yeah. We'll be including all the links to how to connect with you in the description of this episode. But it's been a pleasure to have you on this podcast, Amaka. Your insight, your wisdom, your mentorship from afar has been phenomenal. And I'm sure a lot of people are going to appreciate this. And really thank you for doing all that hard work and continuing to advocate in your own way. Everyone does it in their own way and you've been doing a fabulous job. So once again, on behalf of myself and Pariva, thank you, thank you so for much. joining. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I had such a great oh, time glad. sharing. And, and, I, <laughs> and I do hope people just realize that they are carrying lights. And we can, as we all shine our lights in our little corners, it kind of illuminates and creates a greater light. The same way they say little drops of water make a mighty ocean. So while global health looks like it's really complex and we have so many problems that it could become overwhelming, just focus on your corner. Focus on shining your light. And then somehow, as we all shine our light, it kind of illuminates and addresses those issues. So thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.